Welcome back to another episode of the Geek Roundtable. This is episode number 28. I am your host, Kenny, and joining me for today's topic are my good friends, Jenny, Tony, Andrew, Megan, and Anne. For today's roundtable, we're going to be discussing The West Wing. This is a pretty long episode, so I'm not going to say much other than this is one of my all-time favorite TV series, so I was very excited to get this group of friends together to discuss it, and hopefully you'll learn some things and enjoy our discussion on The West Wing. So let's jump on in and take a listen to our roundtable on The West Wing. Okay, it's time for the roundtable. Uh, we will be discussing the West Wing, and joining me are my good friends Anne, hello, Jenny, hi there, Megan, hi, Andrew, hello, and Tony, hello. I forgot all you guys' names. <laughs> you forgot our names. I, like, I could I tell like, that you were like. Really, I was really concentrating <laughs> on. Yes, make sure I got the right names. And he does know <laughs> us. I swear. I swear I do. I feel so special. <laughs> My guess is her. her. Yeah, yeah. Her. There you go. Yeah. You figure it out. <laughs> All right. So like I said, we're going to be discussing The West Wing. It's an American serial political drama television series created by Aaron Sorkin that was originally broadcast on NBC from September 22nd, 1999 to May 14th, 2006. Uh, There are 156 episodes total, total over seven seasons. The series is set primarily in the West Wing of the White House, uh, where the Oval Office and offices of the presidential senior staff are located during a fictitious Democratic administration of Josiah Bartlett. Uh, The West Wing was produced by Warner Brothers Television, had an amazing ensemble cast, including Martin Sheen, John Spencer, Allison Janney, Rob Lowe, Bradley Whitford, Richard Schiff, Janelle Maloney, Dole Hill, and Stockard Channing, and later seasons, Joshua Molina, Mary McCormick, Jimmy Smith, Alan Alda, and Kristen Chenoweth. The West Wing is regarded as one of the greatest and most influential television series. It's been ranked among the best television shows of all time in publications such as Time, TV Guide, Empire, Rolling Stones, and the New York Daily News. The Writers Guild of America ranked it to number 10 of its 101 best written television series list. It's received praise from critics, political science professors, and former White House staffers and has been the subject of critical Analyst. The West Wing received a multitude of accolades, including two Peabody Awards, three Golden Globe Awards, and 26 Primetime Emmy Awards, including the award for Outstanding Drama Series, which it won four consecutive times from 2000 to 2003. The show's ratings waned in later years following the departure of series creator Sorkin after the fourth season. Sorkin wrote or co-wrote 85 of the first 88 episodes, yet it remained popular among high-income viewers, a key demographic for the show and its advertisers with around 16 million viewers. All right, so let's go ahead and let's start talking about uh, when we first saw it. I didn't watch it when it initially came out. Uh, I was watching a lot of TV at that time, and I'm not very politically minded, so I saw this thing about the White House and didn't have any interest. Mm -hmm. Uh, after the first season, I heard amazing things about it, and 
everyone was going crazy and say, "Have you know, have you seen it?" And this is you know, this is '99, so there were no streaming, there was no nothings, even DVDs were mm-hmm. very rare. So mm-hmm. I wound up finding a bootleg version of season one on eBay, and I bought them. It was on VHS or was this? No, on they were DVDs. Okay. They were CD, burnt CD. Burnt CDs. Oh, CDs. Burnt CDs. <laughs> Classics, rest in peace. But I wound up watching it that way, and I—that's the first, probably the first series I've ever binged. Mm -hmm. I watched it over a day and a half, and I remember watching the finale and just being devastated in the finale. And I couldn't wait. I had to wait like two months before I think it premiered again, (laughs) season two. You know, that's back in the day when you know you had to go summers with nothing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, so that was my first experience. It wasn't initially, but I did from season two on. I watched it religiously. How about you, Anne? Um, it came out when I was in high school, and my family... I forget you guys are babies. Yes. Um, it came out in high school, and my family, we talk politics uh, at holidays, anytime, and we debate both sides on purpose, mm. so the other side has a strong argument a lot of times. So when we found out that there was going to be a West Wing uh, series on NBC, we were like, yeah, let's check this out, and so... I fell in love with it right from the beginning. Um, I watched it with my family all the time. Uh, we couldn't wait, and we had to wait months. <laughs> That's kind of weird to yeah. think about that. We now, do yeah. now. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, we, I, I caught it right away and cool. fell in love with it. Cool. So, mm-hmm. Jenny? Um, this is kind of weird. I worked on the show before I watched the show. Hey. Because, oh, wow. Yeah. Whoa. Production when I first moved to LA, and the first thing I did when I moved to LA is do extra work. Mm. Oh, and West Wing oh, yes, was one of the shows yeah, that yeah. I did extra work on. Uh, but at that time, I hadn't seen it, mm-hmm. and it was it was definitely the later seasons because it's when Sam Seaborg came back. Okay. Remember oh, how he okay, left yes, for a while yes. and then he came back? Yes. Yeah. 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 That's it. That's what, towards. That's like the last season, season. seven. He comes yeah. back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, it was towards yeah. the end yeah. uh, because there was one scene. It was like a rally. We were outside. Sam Seaborg was there. Mm-hmm. Rob Lowe. Yeah. yeah. And I was oh, with yes. I was with two other girls and I remember we were all three of us were named Jennifer. And for some reason they put us right in the front and it was freezing cold. And at one point Rob Lowe like saw we were like huddled together for warmth and he saw us and he walked out and he's like, Give me your hands. And he's like warming up our hands. I was like, oh, I cannot wait to tell my mom. My mom my mom watched the show because yeah. I remember it being on. Yeah. When I was home, but I was in college, so I was like really busy with yeah, other yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, but like, I think it was like two years later, I was dating a guy who had all the seasons on DVD, mm-hmm. okay. and we just started wa- like one night. He's like, "Let's watch The West Wing." I was like, "Okay," because I had a crush on him, and I do whatever he wanted, and it was amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I couldn't stop. I was yeah. like, "When am I coming over to watch West Wing?" He's like, "Don't you want to hang out with me?" I was like, "I want West Wing." <laughs> I'm hanging out with you. I'm, I'm hanging out. Shh, quiet. I'll get to you later. Oh, uh, Megan. Um, I was actually in high school too when it first came out, and I'm actually I'm a military brat. A mm. lot of military in my family. My dad actually used to work for the government, so there was always a lot of politicking in our family. Mm. And then my stepdad was army while well, my dad was air force so i actually kind of avoided the show for a while uh-huh. because there was just so much dc in my house yeah. mm-hmm. i didn't need to see a cute show about it yeah. <laughs> yeah. and it was in the last like year and a half actually i started mm-hmm. watching it and i was just like 
Okay, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Fine, so it's great. Year and a half as in recently. Yeah, I'm wow. very recent into it. And I've um I've been rewatching the seasons actually yeah. to get mm-hmm. caught up for this and I was like, Oh yeah, I remember how much I freaking like this yeah. show. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just now getting into like season six and seven. I'm like, oh yeah. this is without Sorkin. <laughs> yeah. And it's so obvious. Yeah. And also the fact that Chris Traeger is Sam Seaborn. Yes. So they're I'm just like, Oh, Parks and Rec, hi, what's up, man? You're serious. <laughs> Andrew? Uh, similarly to you, Kenny, I was not politically minded when the show came out because I was nine when it came out. <laughs> there you go. Now we know the real baby. Yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah, I really didn't get to watch it until, uh, it was after the Trump inauguration was when I wow. started watching okay, it. Wow. Okay, so this is because recent. Oh, very, very recent. Very recently. Yeah. But I, I put it off for a while because my, I had a roommate uh, for about four or five years out here in LA, mm-hmm. it was his favorite show, and he would always bug me to watch it. And I just never found the time. And I remember when I finally did, I just randomly started it up one night, and he burst out of his room. Like he could hear it. He's like, I hear what? I know what you're I hear watching. Sorkin. What's next? Yes. <laughs> was it like was it like shaving a haircut from Roger Rabbit? Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's he's amazing. Like, be, he's like, I'll be back in an hour. Awesome. <laughs> nice. What about you, Tony? Uh, well, West Wing came out my freshman year of college, and so mm-hmm. I didn't actually watch it in real time. My best friend from the time I was seven, actually, who's a year behind me in high school, wrote for the high school newspaper a review of the show, which is how I became first aware that this is a thing. But I actually didn't watch the show until Christmas time of 2003. Uh, I was out here uh, living in Los Angeles, and uh, all my roommates had gone home for Christmas. That's what they did. I, I'm always I'm kind of an orphan, not really, but I, I always stay here. <laughs> I always stay here for the holidays, and so uh, it was on Bravo, and they, they marathoned it on Bravo. Oh, and so uh, I was by myself one night, and I just wa- I just happened upon Bravo and started watching an episode, and that turned into five episodes. And then the next day, I walked to Tower Records and bought the DVDs, yeah. and or well, one season at a time, yeah. and began <laughs> binge watching them. But then the, the show was still on the air at that point too. I think that was around season six or season six, yeah, five or six, end. something like that. Yeah, mm, towards yeah, the end. But yeah. uh, I watched the reruns on Bravo, and then on DVD, I finished what what wasn't yet yeah. aired. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Very cool. So only one person watched it at the beginning. Everybody else <laughs> caught it at some point. Yay! Uh, all right. Uh, I have a huge amount of interesting facts that I thought <laughs> would be cool to go over. Um, and so I'm going to just pass this around and we can read these really cool facts and then we can discuss them if we feel like it. Um, the seed for the West Wing was planted when screenwriter Aaron Sorkin, fresh off the success of of films like A Few Good Men and uh, The American President, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. American President is like I the love, so good. I the love movie that movie. Right. So good. I love it. He was asked to take a meeting with TV producer John Wells, who was still riding high from his success of ER mm-hmm. on NBC. Sorkin agreed to the meeting, although he had never thought of doing television. And the night before the meeting uh, with Wells, he had a conversation with his friend, screenwriter Kiva Goldsman, who uh, referenced Sorkin's The American President and suggested the idea of a TV series about the senior staff at the White House. Sorkin still resisted the idea of doing a TV show, but couldn't get the idea out of his head. The next day, he says he walked into the restaurant and immediately saw that this wasn't what he thought it was going to be. Sorkin tells Empire Magazine, 
this wasn't just a hello, how are you meeting, because John was sitting with a couple of agents, studio executives of Warner Brothers. <laughs> oh, wow. Surprise. Uh, <laughs> so right after I sat down, he said, so what do you want to do? And instead of saying, I think there's been a misunderstanding, I don't have an idea for a television series, which would have been honest, <laughs> I said, uh, I want to do a television series about senior staffs at the White House. And he said, okay, you got a deal. Oh, jeez. Wow. Right place, right time. Pretty amazing, right? I mean, he he was hot until they wanted him. So they were going to say yes to anything. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, Wow. Imagine if he said, I want to do something about unicorns in space. Yes. And they'd say, okay. (laughs) And that would be. And then we'd be discussing that. Life would be very different. (laughs) All right. So what do you have for us? Um, With a deal made, Sorkin then had to go back and begin scripting (laughs) what would become the plot of the West Wing. But he wasn't short on material, thanks to his work on the American president. Uh, Sorkin already had ideas for what his senior staffers at the White House might do, and that he hadn't been able to fit into that script. One of them became the first storyline for the series plot episode, If I'm Writing a Script, Really, 90% of it would just be walking around, climbing the walls, just trying to put the idea together. Then the final 10% would be writing it. Fortunately, I had written um, a very long first draft of The American President, about 385 pages. Wow. Okay. (laughs) When what you want is just 130 or 140. So there were plenty of little things for him to work with um so yeah yeah so that's Very kind cool. of a fun little fact there yeah i think Jenny that's has an insane one. first draft Isn't that great? that's, like that's, that's, yeah, that's a that's four hour that's movie i was like yeah. oh i just wrote i just wrote a trilogy if you wrote, like, uh, wrote a mini series uh, yeah yeah he did yeah. i feel really bad for the assistant who had to read that oh, yeah <laughs> spent a week yeah reading it um, although NBC agreed to make the West Wing after seeing Sports Night. Oh, another oh, great yeah. series. Oh, yeah. Sports um, Night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, executives remained nervous about the series in its early stages and offered up a number of interesting notes that Wells and Sorkin ultimately resisted. Among their suggestions, according to Wells, was that the president on the series should not be a liberal Democrat, but rather a populist, somebody who's a wrestler or a race car driver or a football player coming in from the outside and shaking. Making things up. I get the gr- wrestler yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. It says, we chose not to do that. <laughs> Another suggestion about the pilot episode, which featured Josh Lyman attempting to deal with Cuban refugees coming into Florida, was that Josh and Sam Seaborg should be in the water during the incident to create more action. Mm. Sorkin and Wells also chose not to do that. <laughs> Good job. Good yeah. job, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah those Sounds are, like a terrible game those show. Are <laughs> those are executives. Yeah, I don't, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. Each episode costs $6 million to make. That's All right. Back in the day? Yeah. yeah. That's a lot. Wow. It's hard to think of anyone other than the West Wing's eventual main cast playing their roles now, but as the casting process for the show began, there were were a number of different potential actors in mind for the key characters, including one actor who was set up for two roles. Sorkin had written the role of Chief Deputy of Staff Josh Lyman specifically for Bradley Whitford, while the role of Deputy Communications Director Sam Seaborn was offered to Rob Lowe. At one point in the process, though, there was a concern over whether or not Lowe would actually sign on the show. 
the network asked the creators to begin looking at other actors to play Sam, and Whitford found himself suddenly in consideration to play the best friend of the character who was written for him. (laughs) (laughs) I got a phone call saying that I was in the show, but I was playing Sam, Whitford, Whitford told Empire. I remember I was in a gas station in Santa Monica, and I had no right to be thrilled, but I called Aaron and said, I'm not Sam. I'm not the guy with the hooker. I'm the guy bashing the Christian right. <laughs> yes, you are, Mr. Yes, yes you are. Agreed. Uh, Janelle Maloney originally read for the role of C.J. Craig during the West Wing audition process. Sorkin knew she wouldn't get that role, but wanted Maloney to find a way into the pilot somehow, and offered her the role of Donna, Josh Lyman's assistant, who was initially meant to only have a couple of lines. Maloney was warned she shouldn't expect anything more than an occasional recurring appearance, but along the way, Sorkin added a second short scene between Josh and Donna to beef up the pilot a bit. He liked the chemistry between the two characters and so, so much that he just never stopped. Maloney says, I was hosting at an Italian restaurant in Beverly Hills, and I kept my job at the restaurant at first, Maloney told The Hollywood Reporter. But by the third episode, I knew they were never going to get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Can you imagine her playing C.J. Craig? No. 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 A little too young. Too young. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, when it came time to cast White House Press Secretary C.J. Craig, Sorkin and company found themselves with two talented actresses in mind for the part. Allison Janney was a major contender thanks to her performance in the political comedy Primary Colors. Excellent film, by the way. Mm-hmm. But CCH Pounder, fresh oh, off an Emmy-nominated three-season run in ER, was also up for the role. Quote, CC would have been fantastic, but we just couldn't not give the part to Allison, Sorkin said. Janney later remarked that she suspected a big reason she won the role was a major pratfall that she took in Primary Colors. You know, <laughs> because one of the first things we see CJ do in the show is fall off the treadmill. Janney went on to win four primetime Emmys, including three consecutive wins for her work as CJ. As a bit of a consolation prize, Pounder would also later appear on the show in a one-episode guest appearance as HUD Secretary Deborah O'Leary. Yeah, I can't imagine anyone. I mean, I love CC, but yeah, yeah. So, Allison Janney is the woman, who, the woman yeah. who says, "Can you think of another word for engorged?" Is <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna do another question really quick. Yeah, what made you watch the West Wing? <laughs> I guess some of you kind of answered, mm-hmm. but uh, if you just want to reiterate, Janney, what made you watch? <laughs> love. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Um, it's, re- it's really that. It's funny that specific relationship. Like he knows who he is. His name is Doug Spice. I mean, how can you resist that? And but he like we watched a lot of amazing television that I hadn't considered yeah. before. He was just like really into brilliant it. In, and into that kind of stuff. And yeah. I was just like, I can't believe there's all this stuff I did not. Why did I not watch these things? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's good. You got something out of it. Yeah. No. It's, no. <laughs> He's a very nice man. <laughs> I wish him all the best. Good. Good. Andrew? <laughs> uh, like I said, it was kind of egging on continuously from my roommate. And you find <laughs> he, right. he, he would constantly bring it up. Yeah. But it was... I, th- I think it was because, like I said, I it was around the time of the Trump inauguration. Mm. I can't remember if it was before or after he won. Yeah. Uh, because there was also like a dip in my viewing habits. Of gotcha. It. <laughs> At one point, I just kind of stopped. I was like, this is too happy. Mm. <laughs> That's why I watch it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do rewatch it probably every three or four years. Mm-hmm. But since the Trump 
uh, since he got elected. I watch it probably uh, two, three times a year. Mm-hmm. It's constantly. Just because, repeat. yeah, like, just because it makes me you happy. You need that. Yeah, it just makes <laughs> like, me happy. It could be like, it's like this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. I think that's why I finally caved on it because yeah. I needed some positivity, yeah. and I was just like, "Oh God, please tell me fake president is better." <laughs> <laughs> I need one president to not be a terrible person. I think I think that's what I hoped it would be. Yeah, but it was just constant, a constant reminder of yeah. what is not happening. Yeah. <laughs> true, true. I didn't look at it that way though. I took it totally. What are you, Tony? Uh, well, you know, you know a winner when you see it, I think is what it is in the, the late 90s. I mean, we had great TV shows, but mm-hmm. I think 99 was a big year because we got The West Wing and we got The Sopranos in the same yeah. year. Yeah. And mm-hmm. really, you know, that was kind of the dawn of like the golden age of television, yeah. I think. And yeah. I just watched the episode and from the first episode, I was like, there's something here that yeah. I really, really like and I don't know what it is. And like, it compelled me to keep watching it. It was just yeah. the how high quality the writing was, yeah. the acting was, and it just I just had to keep watching because I really just fell in love with the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy hearing that you only saw it towards the end because yeah. you're such a political... Well, I was in film school, I mean, Kenny. I was... Yeah, uh, I know. I was, uh, yeah. you, you know I mean, no time for television. You were, in, you, you, were involved, you were involved with the Obama administration. The campaign. The yes, campaign. the campaign. Yeah, yeah, in 2000. You were, yeah. you know, you're... you're you're well ingrained in, but this is all before. Well, I, I mean, this is all after. I gotcha. come from a, a slightly political family. Yeah. Like my dad ran campaigns in the eighties, and my my grandfather, my mom's side, was an elected official in Montana mm. and stuff. So like politics was something that was very present in my life. So yeah. subject matter wise, you know, that was something that w- that definitely appealed to me. Yeah. But I mean, you know, regardless of the setting, it was really just this show is amazing yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's really what made me keep watching yeah. you know i mean and i had an affinity and i understood i didn't need to do the background research i didn't need to google yeah, yeah. you know democrats and republicans or yeah. whatever you yeah. know so it's yeah. just all right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and then you've already said that it was just you needed something happy and i needed something positive yeah. politically because <laughs> oh man yeah. being being a woman right now in america is a little scary <laughs> i mean i i i acknowledge i have it could be worse for me, but yeah. man, it was really nice to be able to just try this show and be like, oh, he, Jeb, I like <laughs> you. Yeah. Yeah. Bart, beep, 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 Bart. <laughs> uh, Anne? I, um, like I mentioned, you watch it with your family, well, so. I watched it with my family, my, especially my mom. Uh, we watched a lot of TV together. And um, I think what really drew me, especially like in high school, is just the ensemble and the writing and just how the how the chemistry mm. between all of them was just beautiful and each one were very different dynamic characters yeah. and you you were looking forward to the next week or yeah. the next episode and i hadn't had that in a while yeah. i think with tv and so that was really exciting cool. i have to say Mm-hmm. All right, I got some more interesting facts. Like I said, I have pages so of them. You Bring it see on. It all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, when it came time to cast the brilliant but grumpy communication <laughs> director, Toby Ziegler, Sorkin and company again found themselves down to two great actors. One was Richard Schiff, who eventually won the role. The other was Eugene Levy. That was interesting. Known, Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. Best known for his yeah. comedy work in films like Best in Show. That could have been fun. It could have been really yeah. fascinating. I, yeah. I can yeah. kind of see it, but it would be a completely different angle. Yeah. yeah. It would. Yeah. They say uh, Levy really gave uh, Richard a f- uh, run for his money, but there was just something undeniable about Richard when you knew he was going to elevate not just uh, the role, mm-hmm. but the show. You couldn't look away, Sorkin said. Sorkin's confidence in Shift paid off as Shift won 
Emmy for playing Toby uh, in the first season of the series. Mm-hmm. Aww. I honestly think Eugene Levy might struggle a little bit with Sorkin dialogue because he's so it, he has yeah. such a background in improv. Yes, and there's a there's a thing in there later. Oh, it, about you're already about that. You're, you're already yeah. yes. Well, as an improv yes. actor, I'm like, yeah, that'd be tough because yeah. Sorkin did not yes. like improv. Yeah, you yeah, stuck yeah. to his words. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is mentioned here. Um, so that brings up. An episode. Can yes. I talk about an episode mm, with sure. Richard? It's um, when I was looking up, just kind of reminding myself because I remember I can remember the episodes, but not the names. Yeah. But I had to look up this one. It's called Seventeen People. Mm-hmm. It's I when like Toby finds out yep. oh, yeah. that um, Jeb has In MS. Us. Yep. That's probably. Watching Richard, yeah. watching Toby and and um, Jeb go after each other in so that episode, it's just amazing. Yeah. So I'm like, I understand UG Levy, but no, yeah. like no. Richard is it that. Been, like, yeah, like Andrew said, it's been a totally different yeah take angle and tank. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That so. episode is so good. <laughs> With the key members of the senior staff cast, including John Spencer as White House okay. House Chief of Staff Leo McGarry, Shami Shlami. Yep. Yeah, Shami Shlami. Yeah. Uh, Shlami began working on rehearsal for the West Wing pilot, but one key piece of the puzzle was missing: the president, who wouldn't appear on the show until the final scene of the first episode. Yep. According to Sorkin, the first actor who was actually offered the role was Sidney Poitier. Yeah. But the legendary Oscar winner's salary demands were too rich for our blood. Wow. Yeah. wow. Yeah. From there, the show considered Jason Robards, but his mm. poor health led to concerns that he wouldn't be able to keep up with a recurring TV schedule. John Cullum and Hal Holbrook, who ultimately did land a role on the show as Undersecretary of State Albie Duncan, also read for the role, but the... The search stops when Wells suggested Martin Sheen, who had already worked with Sorkin and the American president. After reading the script, Sheen agreed to take the part. Yep. Very cool. Sidney Poitier, though. Can you imagine? Poitier? Poitier. After the pilot convinced Sorkin, Shalami, and, and company that President Bartlett should be a main cast member rather than an occasional guest star, Sheen went back to the table to renegotiate his contract for an increased number of appearances on the West Wing. When he did, he offered up a couple of conditions that proved to be key contributions to the Jed Bartlett character. I had to renegotiate a long-term contract out of the pilot, and I asked two things. That they make Bartlett a Catholic, because mm-hmm. I wanted him to form all of his opinions from a moral frame of reference, and as a Catholic myself, that's the way I framed all of my actions, Sheen explained. And I also asked that he be a graduate of the University of Notre Dame. Aaron agreed <laughs> to both of them, and they became a staple of the character. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't realize that he wasn't supposed to be... A main character. Oh, yeah. And it's about yeah, the staff. He was supposed was to appear every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. it was literally yeah. about the president. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That's that's weirdly the tone I got from the pilot. Yeah. Yes. Well, that was, yeah, then that's good, because that's how it was written that way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As the West Wing came together and Sorkin began delivering scripts, the design of the show's visuals fell to Shlami, who quickly realized that he had to find new ways of making a bunch of scenes that were essentially people having high-stakes meetings into something that would look dynamite. <laughs> And exciting on a TV screen. It was out of this need that the show's trademark walk and talk sequences of characters <laughs> have long conversations while moving through corridors was born. Uh, the walk and talks required tremendous precision on the part of camera operators and cast members who all had to make sure they remained in the frame even as they tried to keep their movements through the halls na- as natural as possible. While this created various issues like falling cameramen and loads of cast bloopers, the actors still found it rewarding. 
Can you imagine? Yes. That always seems so difficult to be able to talk, act, walk, and yeah. there's like 30 other people running around behind you. Well, from an editorial point of view, it's nice. One shot, no cuts. <laughs> you know? hey. Everyone else is like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Camera yeah. a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. They have yeah. a bubble wrap for the cameraman. <laughs> Walking backwards. Planning all that out. Yeah. You know, where the cameras need to be, and that had to just taken mm-hmm. so long. The longest walk and talk scene in the West Wing was three minutes long. The scene, which was in season one, episode five votes down, included 500 extras and took half the night to shoot, according to the director of photography, Tom Del Ruth. I can't imagine that. A long... Three minutes. That's a long... That's a long time. (laughs) Yeah. I was in... One shot. That's That's kind of terrifying. I was shooting on film then, too, so... I was in a short internet video for, like, for Cracked, I think, and it was... You said for Crack? Cracked. 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 Cracked.com. Oh, Cracked. Excuse me? For Crack? Crack. It's to me. <laughs> it was just a sh- it was just a short comedy video, but it was all done in one take, mm. and it took the entire day just yeah. to choreograph and everything. Uh, it's crazy, crazy. Uh, next one: the goldfish bowl changed its background. The backgrounds were often sneaky references to the episode's plot. You can see a submarine in Gone Quiet, which was a nod to President Bartlett fearing a sub had gone missing. In The Stormy President, you could see a coffin with a flag across it. Bartlett attended a former president's funeral in that episode. So a little hidden Easter eggs. Yeah, little Easter eggs yeah, in, the in, in it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Even the fish, fish wasn't on it. It's yeah. interesting. <laughs> Do you know that the fish had a Twitter account? No. No. Yeah. <laughs> Someone created a Twitter account that was CJ's fish. Oh, They're doing funny. God's work. <laughs> I actually want to go look for that. <laughs> Where each tweet just like. Bloop, bloop. <laughs> I mean, I already follow a potato and like several hundred dogs. What's, what's a goldfish? All right, let's do another question. Uh, I think some of us already answered this. Are you politically minded? So I am not. I was never into politics, um, but for some reason I love the West Wing, just because it's probably the positive outlook it has on life in general. Um, but how about you, Anne? Yes. <laughs> um, again, um, my family, yeah. uh, we talk about it. We don't have arguments about it. Again, we, we debate. Yeah. And if I take one side, my mom or dad would purposely take the other side. And so mm. we, we, we try to balance ourselves out like in that sense. Um, I majored in political science Mm -hmm. in college and was definitely looking into being a lawyer, but then also politics is, it's very fascinating um, how it's evolved throughout the years Mm -hmm. from the beginning. And then even like in your politics is, It's a comedy of errors. And, and so, yes, I am politically minded. And I, I did enjoy the show for that. But also the show was, we have these good characters trying to do good things. And mm-hmm. sometimes they won. But also they didn't. Yeah. And I think that was a key factor of the show, too, is that they didn't always win. Or maybe Bartlett didn't make the right decision, yeah. too, in a lot of things. So like and that. that's why I think I really enjoyed the show, that it wasn't always a, a pretty bow yeah. on it. And so it was honest in those aspects. Yeah. So, cool. Mm-hmm. Jimmy? Um, our family was not super politically minded. Um, 
a set for in the context of like history because mm-hmm. my parents are Civil War reenactors and my dad has been putting history yeah. into me since I was a young child. Yeah. So I probably know more about like Abraham Lincoln and like yeah. George Washington than the and, and the, the whole thing is that like Abraham Lincoln was a Republican, yes. but that was when Republicans were basically Democrats. Yes. So it was like <laughs> Yes. Huh? Yeah. Um nice to know. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Santos, a liberal Republican. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um so, but I try to stay educated yeah. because like I, you know, it was, it was, I had friends who were, came from very politically minded yeah. families and they were like, you have to vote and you have <laughs> yeah. to, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. so being around them, like, yeah, yeah. I always voted. So I'm, yeah, I've voted since I was 18. So I do that much. But work. it's more yeah, of I like, don't. you know, help me understand yeah, yeah. so I can make an informed decision. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are you making? Well, I, I'm a fan of history. I like learning mm-hmm. about history. Um, but being a military brat and two different marriages, and then, of course, my dad working for the government, he was working cybersecurity under Bush, and he mm-hmm. was contracted Ob- under Obama. Mm-hmm. So politics were usually discussed on his side. Mm-hmm. My mom, not so much. Yeah. But because the government actively affected what happened with our family, couldn't really be avoided. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Even when I when I asked him if I should be going into the military, my dad was just like, "No, <laughs> like, we need more artists. Yeah. Please yeah. don't join the military. If you're set on that, I'll figure it out. But please mm-hmm. don't." And I was just like, "All right, yeah. that's how it's looking right now." And he's like, "That's how it's looking right now. Please don't join the military." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, All right. yeah. Thanks, Dad. But yeah, that's always been a backbone in our in our family yeah. is politics. Cool. Mm-hmm. And I know you're not Andrew. Uh, How are you? <laughs> I would five years ago. I would have said no. I'm not very politically minded. Okay. Nowadays, now you are. I'm. I feel compelled okay. to stay on top of things. Yes, nice. as best I can. I wouldn't. I'm not like listening to the news every night. I'm yeah, not yeah, yeah. Listening to political podcasts on my way to work or anything like that. But I, I do try to stay on top of things yeah. and try to try to listen in and make sure I know what's going on yeah. mm-hmm. and try to have an informed opinion about it and not just go with my gut. Yeah. Was, I mean, growing up, my my family was never all that politically minded. Yeah. So neither was mine. We really didn't talk politics amongst the family. Yep. But there are certain areas that you just couldn't really get away from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I do remember I turned, I turned 18 just in time for the 2008 election. Okay. And that was my first... Uh, vote that I cast was for Obama. Nice. Very cool. Well, I will say this. I I became more politically minded because of the West Wing. Mm. I mean, I, I, I went to film school to, to, to make movies, yeah. you know, and then I did come from a slightly politically inclined family, but we weren't like, we, you know, we, we, like, we weren't actually like in elected office or anything yeah. like that, you know? So, but I watched the show and it really inspired me to see the, look what people can do if the best of all possible people come together to accomplish these great things. And what I learned when I, I, mean, I changed the kind of the direction of my life when Obama started running for office and mm-hmm. I was very much inspired by what I saw in the West Wing because I was like, oh, I'm going to go on the campaign and it's going to be just like this show. <laughs> and it wasn't just like that no. show, but yeah. you know, we, we kind of wanted it to be. So actually the, the show made me more political, quite oh, frankly. Cool. Yeah. Wow. Very, very cool. All right, next question. This was a hard one. Favorite character? I only want one. I don't want to okay. hear about a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. I just want one. 
<laughs> so you got to pick one. Fine. Okay. Megan. Josh. All right. Why? I, I just love his his genuine passion and vigor for it. And I love Bradley Whitford. Yeah. I love him so true. much. Yeah. He, he's a great character. And I see a lot of the spirit of my friends and the people I hang out with politically and all that. I see that in him. Yeah. And it's nice to see that kind of happy-go-lucky and also that very down-to-earth, I will get this done yeah. energy. Yeah. Even though he makes a lot of mistakes. <laughs> but he's yeah, back he on that horse the next day. <laughs> so yeah, I love Josh. Cool. How about you, Tony? Uh, well, I'm going to say Toby. Okay. Uh, I love Toby. And the reason why I love Toby is he reminds me of my dad. Oh. So, you know, oh, that's, that's nice. very sort of sardonic, yeah. you know, downtrodden guy. But at the same time, he was Bartlett's moral compass for, yeah. you know, a, pretty for, much the entire the, show. Yeah, almost the entire you know? time. So and what happens to his character later on at the end, you know, the, the decisions he makes, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. are, are very much in line with his morals, but were not good politics. Yeah. Ultimately, almost got him sent to prison. So it's, you know, he's a very interesting character and... Yeah, I was cool. a big Toby person. Yeah, cool. Jimmy, CJ. Okay. Um, because I what I mean I wasn't old when I watched it, but I was a little bit older. So seeing a strong older, mm. not that she was old either, but you know, like yes. an older a, woman in with power, with and, power and, and confidence, and yes, confidence was really good. Um, but still a flawed human being. Yes. Yes. And yeah, just seeing all of that in yeah. a person as a woman, I was like, yeah, <laughs> nice. I love Andrea. That. Uh, mine was actually a toss-up between Toby and CJ. <laughs> we took them. Uh, uh, both, uh, both you made very. Good <laughs> I'm right. just going to concur. Okay, Anne. I, um, I love Leo. Oh, yeah. Um, he's, he's the guy that brought the team together, mm-hmm. and how John Spencer played him mm-hmm. and how he was a very flawed man mm-hmm. and how he just wanted to always do the right thing too. And yeah. I just, I really, people went to him a lot of times for help and he would do the best he could, but then sometimes he couldn't. And yeah. so I just, his character was just beautiful. I, mean, I thought, yeah, yeah, no pun intended. He was the heart of that. Yeah, group. he was. Like he, yeah. And I he think held everyone together. Yeah. So that was, I, I have to say, cause, yeah. Everybody else listed a lot of other regular ones, but yeah. I'm like, Leo. <laughs> <laughs> Leo. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it would be CJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've always been an Alice and Jenny fan, and mm-hmm. this just put her into the stratosphere for me. Yeah. Uh, for all the reasons everyone said. I mean, we all know. She's just really... She's a strong... I love strong women. That's why yeah. I like Catherine Janeway on Voyager. Mm-hmm. That's why I like Seven and Nine. Mm-hmm. The, you know, I like strong women. Uh, and she was one of the strongest that we saw on television. Mm-hmm. So definitely my favorite... Let's go with a supporting character. I'll go first. Uh, I debated because there's so many amazing mm-hmm. characters, one-off characters, reoccurring characters. Mm-hmm. But one that always makes me smile is Ainsley Hayes. I just loved, I loved the way she spoke and the, the way she carried herself. And again, she was another opinionated, strong mm-hmm. female mm-hmm. character. And it's too bad that they kind of lost her character. Um, and they just kind of let her dwindle off. Yeah. Um, but no, I just, I really, I thought she was a really well done mm-hmm. side character. How about mm-hmm. you, Anne? Um, uh, Abby uh, Bartlett, I okay. really enjoyed Stalker Channing. She mm-hmm. was only supposed to be there maybe a couple of episodes, mm-hmm. if I remember right. Uh, but then she became a, a reoccurring. Yeah. yeah. Um, she became a regular for a she while. She became a regular for a while. So I just, it was just fun to see her dynamic with Jeb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those two just... Um, so I have to say she was... Because, again, talk about a strong female character that yeah. was holding her own. Yeah. So, 
Cool. Andrew? I really liked uh, Marley Matlin whenever she... Oh, I yeah. love yeah, her. Yeah, she's amazing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, not, not just she because... She was so good. Joey Lucas. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not only because, like, oh, it's a good thing that a deaf actress is showing yeah. up on a, on yeah, 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 a show, yeah. but she... She really was a had, good character. She yeah. had a character. Yeah. Yeah. She wasn't just yeah. like, oh, this character is the deaf character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, she's got a whole personality yeah. attached to her. Mm-hmm. Yes. Cool thing yeah. about her, too, we just think about conceptually, she was the pollster, right? Yes. So her mm-hmm. job was to listen. listen. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> what they know, what they mean. Oh, they, they were smart great. at That's casting great. her. Yeah. Yeah. Such a dry yeah. joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how about you, Jimmy? Mrs. Landingham. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, she, she was so good. I just thought, yeah, it, she reminds me of my grandmother's, mm-hmm. and Aww. you know, just always knows yeah. what you need, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's nice. Yeah. Well, you make it. Uh, strangely enough, Oliver Babish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I, I'm, I was so used to seeing him in happy-go-lucky, funky, weird yeah. comedy stuff. And the fact I see him as this really big jerk of a lawyer, yeah. I was so into it. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, man, don't him let him. a jerk, though? He was, he was doing his job. He was doing yeah. his yeah. job. You know, as a perception, he, he would be seen and... as a jerk. Oh, yeah. I mean, you get set in a room with that and you have to deal with that kind of lawyer. You're just yeah. like, why are you picking on me? <laughs> but it's like, no, he's doing his job. Yeah. He's ensuring this is done the right way. And yeah. I was like, I am so into this character. Character, yeah. I love mm-hmm. him. Yeah, yeah. Don't make him cry, please. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Tony? Uh, Lord John Marbury. Uh, so over the course. top, so wonderful. He was drunk <laughs> on the job. Oh, Will yes. there be mimosas with brunch? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, he would have just tremendous like capability to explain smart explain Pakistan and India he knew his job he did really well it was he was just so much fun to watch like uh, that entire performance everything about that guy was just phenomenal yeah that's that's a good one I love that my only frame of reference for him as an actor is Robin Hood Men in Tights yeah Yeah. alright let's move on to another question here Uh, favorite season uh, Ann and I were talking earlier. Uh, I really enjoyed season one. Mm-hmm. But two, really, mm-hmm. I think is really where it started to really. But uh, like I said, the finale of one was phenomenal to me. It was some of the best TV. Just the ending, the mm-hmm. cliffhanger, the, you know, who, who got shot and that type of, then the black. Um, and then season two just picked it up and it just ran with it. Mm-hmm. So I would, it's hard. I would say two. One's really close, but two is probably my favorite season. How about you, Jenny? I agree. Season two is what so, I was going to say as well. Yeah. Um, I think we're all going to pretty much say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that scene in the office with the rain and. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> My heart. Like, oh. 18th in Potomac, I think. Yeah. Yes. Remember that episode? Yes. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Amazing. We were, we watched that because that was part of the like watching. That was one of those ones where Doug Spice was like, "Just wait." I was like, "Shut up!" Just, oh my god. He's like, "Yeah," because he knew what was coming, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he was like, oh. "He was like ready to yeah. like be like." We had to pause after that episode yeah. for a minute because I was like, "Oh no." Yeah. It was How good. about you, Megan? 
I, I completely agree. Yeah. It's one of those shows where it's very obvious in the second season. They just kind of let them do whatever yeah. and took the training wheels off and said, all right, man, you obviously have an idea of what you're doing. Have fun. Yeah. And the rest of us were like, yay. <laughs> Here we go. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's such a good season. I, I can't think of a better yeah. one. Does anyone have any other seasons? I'm torn between season two and season two. <laughs> Some blasphemous here. And, uh, what? Uh, I am a big fan of season six, as wow. a matter of fact. Now that was post Sorkin, so right. it's yes. the the uh, you know it, the the dialogue isn't quite as as, as Sorkin-y. But it was I like season six for a lot of reasons. It was that was the road show, yeah. You mm-hmm. know, season mm-hmm. they were on the road and the primary is going yeah. on. The other cool thing about season six is we got a lot of like uh, two party back and forth and not not in a negative way because we had two different campaigns for president. So we got to know the Santos campaign and the Bennett campaign Mm -hmm. and seeing two different points of view also be very honorable and, and operating in their own ways was I thought was very very strong yeah, and yeah. I really enjoyed I, that I totally agree yeah. yeah that's what yeah that's one of my questions we'll get to that in a minute uh, how about you Anne I know you when we were talking about you said two it's and three two and three because yeah. I think that's when they really mm-hmm. found their stride yeah. and everything so yeah season two um, like Megan brought up it's just I think that's when they realized let them do what they want to do let and Bartlett be Bartlett. yeah let Bartlett be Bartlett exactly, exactly. Yep. and so yeah seasons two and three that's when I think the stride was found and to kind of go off with Tony season five was rough um season six they had an opportunity because it was a good you know they had to do election year yeah. so meaty great material and I think they did do a good job with mm-hmm. the sixth season because the the fifth one was not that great yeah. six solid so mm-hmm. yeah that was a good pickup after the Sorkin years cool. this is a hard one a favorite episode does anyone have any favorite episodes well I said 18th yeah Potomac, I mean because sure. I have yeah. so many that I had like a uh-huh. list and I was like uh-huh. I can't read off this all is, these yeah episodes I'll say my favorite yes. it's the two cathedrals mm-hmm. that's the mm-hmm. one after that's the premiere of season yes. three yes yeah. That's that's Lanningham's funeral. Yeah, talk yes. about oh, his oh, yeah. at the end. I or, had yeah. never cried during yeah. a TV show before. <sighs> yeah. Bawling my mm-hmm. eyes out. Yeah. And mm-hmm. how Sheen performs that monologue yep. in the cathedral. Yeah. It's Yeah, I love that, he... that 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 episode is just yeah. amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if I had to pick a top one, that's my top one. Okay. I mean, so. I like, yeah, I do like when he drops his cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. he, he yeah. takes he yeah. takes takes one so puff. So much for res- yeah. disrespect. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's mm-hmm. dead. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking Latin to yeah. God. Yes, yeah. he starts speaking Latin, <laughs> and he's oh my he's gosh, so and it's 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 just a well constructed yeah. uh, monologue, performed yeah. beautifully, shot beautifully. Mm-hmm. Like I think about this. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. 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 Anyways. It's so yeah. personal. It feels yeah. so yeah. deeply it, well, personal. Plus, yeah. He's, he's the one that asked her to come back to the White yeah. House. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, she was coming back when she got killed. Exactly. If he wouldn't have asked her, it yeah. may not have happened. Yeah, and to you know, know so he and, has that guilt on top of that, and you yeah. get the flashbacks of his relationship. Oh my god, I love when they set that all up. Love oh, that. You're right. That is too good. Yeah, that. I'm like, just crying. Yeah. I'm like, this has never happened before during a TV show. So I'm like, oh yeah. my gosh. That's a good so, one. Yeah, that's yeah. my very good. Yeah. Anybody else? I. It's not. I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but I. I find it to be such an interesting episode of television. Is the 9/11. 
Mm. Isaac and Ishmael. Uh, yes. yes. Oh, yeah, that oh, yeah. Like, it's like taken out of the entire yeah. Yeah, series. Like, well, they, to do with they the shot series. that in response. Mm. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah they, they, they technically don't even include it in as part of the season. Yeah, it's, it's basically it's, just There's like two extra. things. There's the news really did, the news story, uh, with all the actual press secretaries mm-hmm. talking about it. And then they did that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are yeah. the two oddballs. That one, because I was in high school when that happened. I was mm-hmm. a senior. And mm-hmm. when that episode aired, and they're talking to high schoolers about this, that episode really rung yeah. with me a lot. So, yeah, yeah definitely. Mm-hmm. Cool. Anybody else before I move on? Well, Isaac Nishman was yes. on my list. I wanted to make the point, though. The episodes I've always liked best were the ones that like I learned something. Mm-hmm. And this show, I learned a lot from this show. I learned from Isaac and Ishmael specifically, like where Jews and Muslims come from, which is something that is very much shaped like my worldview in general. Yeah. But I want to shout out two other episodes, yeah. both season six episodes, by the oh, way. Oh, okay. Uh, so spicy. King Corn, which is about oh, the King... Iowa caucus, oh. three different stories about the Iowa caucus. Oh, I like that. I just watched that one today. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. very, very pertinent to the now, but yeah. also uh, very, very pertinent for August. 2,162 votes, where we learn all about nominating the president at convention. So. Yes. Good stuff to know about. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Very yeah. Very cool. All right. Now, this is a uh, I thought this was going to be a good question. Uh, do you think this series appealed uh, to the left, right, and center, or did you think it was just far left only? Now, for me personally, I think they did a good job balancing. It was definitely a left-leaning mm-hmm. series. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I think they did a good job at representing, respectfully, mm-hmm. the Republican sure. side, or the, the right side. Um, everyone agree, disagree? I, th- I think they tried to present an image of Republicans that was respectful and they tr- they tried uh, I don't want to say the wrong thing here <laughs> <laughs> they didn't uh, want to step on the r- wrong toes no or... not, not at all but for me I, I don't know where everyone else is from I'm from Missouri so I kind of grew up mm-hmm. in a place that is more right leaning mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and the Republicans I grew up with do not resemble any of the Republicans yeah. on the show. Yes. <laughs> and mostly because the, the Republicans I grew up with were more, it was, it was a casual thing. Mm-hmm. It was like, like, Oh, my, my dad was a Republican. My so grandfather I was am, a Republican. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it wasn't a, this is my political ideology. This is just, Oh, this is how our family sees the world. And yeah. how we see each other in relation to the world. Not so much the more philosophical, differences between the two parties that, yeah. that Sorkin really likes to delve into. And that's, it's interesting in terms of debate. Yeah. Uh, whether it's true to life. Yeah. <laughs> I would say is, uh, it's a little bit questionable. Okay. Mm. Cool. Anybody else? All right. Would you want them to reboot? No. Not a reboot. No. 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 However. However. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind West Wing The Next Generation. Sure. Absolutely. But not a reboot. No. I love the title already. Yeah. I love the title already. <laughs> it's like Degrassi, <laughs> The Next Generation. Yes. Would you want a Democratic presidential party or would you want a Republican? Or something different in between? You know, I'm not a writer. I don't know. I, I think it'd be neat to see the other side. I think it would because because the, the you know, it was a very, I mean... Matt Santos wins election after Bartlett, yeah. so it's, it was a Democrat but, to Democrat, very dominant yeah. in that way. Mm-hmm. So but, even, but even Republicans back then, 10 years ago, are completely different than Republicans right now. now. Yes. Yes. So it's if we a did a series circus. about Republicans now, 
It's going to be different. It would be different than if Absolutely. we did a series about Republicans. Could be full family. of a lot of good conflict, though. Like, I mean, and yeah. like, you know, like struggling with with where everything was and where everything is. Could yeah. Be interesting. Yeah. Can cool. we think about if there's going to be, if there were to be a West Wing next generation, would there also be a West Wing Deep Space Nine? <laughs> <laughs> um, I honestly would love to see that. Actually, uh, um, no, the the new West Wing. I, Sorry, I would love to see that because I think more than ever, because of um, our political climate and because how people take in media, a show like that could probably do a lot of good Mm. by informing people without letting them know they're being informed. Because people tend to react very aggressively to being like given information and facts these days. So maybe a show like that would actually help a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we'll ever see a West Wing again. Oh, no. no. Never. The series is unique and one of a kind. But. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sorkin's kind of said maybe on some podcasts yeah. here or there, but I doubt it to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go through these. We're going to do some rapid fire because there's a whole bunch of these and I don't think I'm going to be able to do them all. Okay. Uh, okay, over the course of the first season, the West Wing continued to garner critical acclaim and ever-growing audience and would ultimately make it one of the most talked about and celebrated shows of the air. Uh, despite all of this, one part of the West Wing's machine wasn't working. The character of Mandy Hampton, uh, a former Bartlett campaign staffer who was introduced to the show as a foil to Josh Myman and ultimately became the Bartlett White House media director. Mandy, played by Mariah Kelly, mm-hmm. uh, was embroiled in a subplot late in the first season in which the playbook for defeating Bartlett that she written was stolen from her computer and leaked. And by the second season premiere, the character had disappeared mm-hmm. from the show entirely without explanation. Uh, so where did Mandy go? According to Sorkin, there was no great mystery to solve. It just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I always wonder where she went. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you know, yeah. she was such yeah, an right. intricate part. And then Bye. Bye. there was no exit. I was hoping she was going to come back in season seven. That would have been nice. Somehow, you know, oh. and just oh. bring her on yeah. to kind of complete And maybe story. they could figure out what they're going to do with her hair. Because it's <laughs> just wasn't working yeah, yeah. <laughs> after after three seasons of award-winning success uh change began began to come to the west wing in a form of even bigger than a cast member leaving unceremoniously after just one season midway through season four rob lowe who when the show began um, had been a key selling point of the series for both audiences and network executives announced that he would leave the West Wing behind. Sam Seaborn was written out of the show after a failed congressional campaign in California, leaving room for a new deputy communications director in the White House. Joshua Molina, who'd work with Sorkin um, on Sports Night, heard the reports of Lowe's departure and basically asked if he could have a job on the show. I read that Rob Lowe was thinking about leaving and I really needed a job. <laughs> Legit. Okay, okay. I sent Aaron a email and the contents of which basically were, what about a less well-known, less good-looking actor who would work for less money? It was shameless. But to my surprise, Aaron's response suggested that he had already talked to <laughs> um, Tommy Shami. Yeah. Um, I have to say his first name always. Tommy <laughs> yeah. um, about the idea. I drove to meet him at the Four Seasons for lunch, and he said, here's the character I'm thinking for you. Melina was introduced in the season four episode, Game On, as congressional campaign manager Will Bailey who befriended Seaborn before taking his place in the White House staff. Yeah, I like. He was a good addition. To he was. Mm-hmm. He was a good 
Now, yeah. didn't Rob Lowe go on to do his own political drama? He did that, the Lions And Dinner. that was not a spinoff. That mm. was a separate thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I got it in my head that I was like, he left the show to go do that. But I don't. Well, I don't think that's exactly what happened. Um, it, Rob wanted it to be a bigger part. His character, that's what he was sold on. Uh, I think initially with the script and with the series is that he was going to be a bigger part. Um, but who became the lead was Bartlett. And so not Rob Lowe. And I think. He was like, well, my character's not as as prominent as I'd like, so I'm going to move on and be a lead in right. something. So. Didn't yeah. work out. No. He went to Pawnee, Indiana. He's fine. He's fine. <laughs> He's fine. Rob Lowe's departure turned out to be the lesser of two major shakeups on The West Wing in its fourth season. After Lowe announced he was leaving, Sorkin and Shlami also announced that the fourth season would be their last, leaving The West Wing without its creative driving force. Though Sorkin's name was always on the show as a creator, the last episode he wrote was the season four finale, 25, which left a cliffhanger involving Bartlett's kidnapped daughter and a new interim president for Wells and company to pick up in season five. After the season six finale, set the Democratic ticket for president as Matt Santos and Leo McGarry, who, the, who by then had left full-time West Wing employment following a heart attack and become a special counselor, Season 7 dug deep into the general election for president. As the show's writers tried to create a convincing scenario in which either candidate could win, through the show's main cast were, were of course, supporting Santos, Wells and the writers spent a lot of time building up Vinick as a noble, principled leader who the audience could root for and, and respect. It turns out that because Vinick was originally intended to win the election, the death of actor John Spencer on December 16, 2005, midway through the seventh season, forced numerous last-minute changes to the show's final episodes. According to Sheen, one of them was a Democratic victory, with Leo McGarry dying of a heart attack on election night. Up until his death, Republican was going to win the election, Sheen recalled. Jimmy Smits would be defeated, and that wonderful actor Alan Alda would win. But with John's death, they had to say no. And against history, the Democrats would continue. Interesting. So it would have been interesting to, mm-hmm. if Vedic would have won, won. I mean, they would have... Mm-hmm. In the, uh, yeah, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Spencer's death at the age of 58 devastated the West Wing's cast and crew, but it was agreed that he would have wanted them to carry on with the story, which now included losing him. Uh, that meant rewriting the remaining scripts to include Leo's election night death and the addition of an episode titled Requiem that served as both a funeral for Leo and a reunion of communal goodbyes for the cast and crew. Spencer's death also meant the discussions of an eighth season that would have focused on the Santos rise to power and the early days of his administration with Bartlett acting as an elder statesman were ended. Though uh, there could have been more to the story, no one felt right carrying on without Spencer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. John Wells' era of the West Wing included a number of different shakeups and ambitious new plot lines, and that included new directions for some of the show's key characters. Early in the sixth season, Leo McGarry suffered a near-fatal heart attack, and Bartlett named C.J. Craig the new White House Chief of Staff. Though it added some new energy to the show, Janie wasn't exactly a fan. The change was even more radical for Toby Ziegler, who went from one of the president's most trusted advisors to a disgraced criminal when it was revealed in the season 7 episode Mr. Frost that he'd been responsible for leaking classified information about a military space shuttle to the press. Schiff hated the turn for his character and believed Toby would never have betrayed Bartlett. Mm. Yeah, so I don't think neither of them liked... I think Allison Janney said something like it was less fun of role mm. to play as uh, chief of staff. Okay, uh, last one. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorkin resisted the opportunities 
to look back on the West Wing after he left uh, the end of the fourth season. He never returning to the guest script any of the episodes, and so yeah, he never watched any of the episodes as well. Uh, the seventh and final season of the show was full of reunions, though, including the return of characters like Sam Seaborn and frequent guest Ainsley Hayes uh, for an episode or two. And it turns out Sorkin also wanted to at least be present for the farewell. Makes a brief but prominent cameo appearance in the series finale tomorrow as the man seated on the stage during Matt Santos's inauguration. Which I had no idea. No, I didn't know that. So, all right. That was a long podcast. But I, hopefully, hopefully it was entertaining and yeah. we learned some stuff. Hope so. Uh, thank yeah. you guys for all your insights. It was great chatting with you. And uh, thank you for joining us, uh, my wonderful listeners. And uh, thanks again, guys. Bye. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Like I said, it was a really long one. There were so many facts, so many great things I didn't know about this series when I started uh, digging a little deeper into the internet to, to find uh, some information to convey to you guys. And we could have done this for another hour with ease with all the information that we had. But uh, we tried to keep it to a nice, nice round hour. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed that episode. I want to thank once again my my friends Jenny, Tony, Andrew, Megan, and Anne for joining me. And I want to thank my listeners for coming back each month and listening to our little roundtables. So until next time, guys, take care. That was the scene in California's Mojave Desert five years ago. Our historic first view of the newcomer's ship. Theirs was a slave ship carrying a quarter million beings bred to adapt and labor in any environment. But they've washed ashore on Earth with no way to get back to where they came from. And in the last five years, the newcomers have become the latest addition to the population of Los Angeles. Alienation, the newcomers podcast, is a fan cast devoted to the groundbreaking but short-lived TV series Alienation. This series tackles social issues like racism, bigotry, and intolerance with an alien twist. Each month, we will bring you a podcast dedicated to a single episode. The host will give you their thoughts on the episode, as well as some little-known behind-the-scenes information. So please subscribe to Alienation, the newcomer's podcast on iTunes, or visit our website at alienationpodcast.com. Attention, attention. Are you a fan of MASH, one of the most groundbreaking television series in history? Then take a listen to the MASH 4077 podcast, where hosts discuss their thoughts episode by episode. They will also share with you some little-known behind-the-scenes information, trivia, and so much more. So come and find them on iTunes by searching MASH 4077 podcast or online at www.mash4077podcast.com. The Geek Roundtable Podcast is a Geeky Fanboy production and has a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives Works 3.0 United States License All Rights Reserved.